It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back. Ah! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? Great night to be a Mountaineer, wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 15th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Nicewarner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Good morning. How are we doing on this Monday morning? Oh, how are we doing is a good question. Oh, my goodness. Jason Tatum, baby. Jason, Jason Tatum. Let's ah, – I'm so I'm, – I'm so happy. <laughs> ah. Uh. I, if you followed uh, my Twitter yesterday, one of my tweets was, ah, Jason Tatum. <laughs> Yeah, and there was also <laughs> another one that said he should already be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I didn't go that far. I didn't well, go. he went further than that, my friend. He yeah. went further he said than he's better than Bill Russell. <laughs> and no degree did I he's say. He's better than Bird. I, I said when it's all said and done, he'll be in the conversation with those guys. You know, uh, he's not better than Sebastian Telfair. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. Not you name-dropping Sebastian Telfair at 8 in the morning on a Monday. I'm telling you. People aren't ready. People aren't ready to accept how good Sebastian Telfair was should he, have been. Who did he play on the Clippers? He played for like 15 different teams in I think a year and a half, and then he was gone. Sebat, that like That's a name. Like He was the, the wonder. He was the next Michael Jordan like right before LeBron, and then LeBron took over, and <laughs> Telfair went to the one mixtape tour for a little while, and then was gone. You remember when Brandon Jennings was like the mixtape guy there for a little bit? Brandon Jennings. I don't. Milwaukee Bucks legend Brandon James. Oh yes, I do. I do. Well, wasn't he a mixtape guy? Yeah. Yeah. What was his name? Was he Skip My Lou? I can't remember if he was or not. Spider. I don't remember all those guys. Escalade. I have oh. no clue. The Professor. White Chocolate. I remember all those dudes. Man, I used to love that. I don't know. Were you guys old enough for? Uh, and what mixtape Just tour? at the very end of it. Oh, yeah, the mixtape age. Brandon Jennings was one of the last stars of the mixtape age. What an era. What an era that was. What an era that was. But anyways, let's get talk a little baseball because we've got a ton of baseball to get after. Not only just here in the Panhandle and across the state, but out in Colorado because old uh, Brenton Doyle getting his first dinger out there in Denver. But let's talk baseball sectionals. Riley Morgan, one hits Washington to get the sectional title for Jefferson. That one, I don't think that's, well, can you say expected without that sounding wrong that that was an expected win for Jefferson to get that sexual title no I don't think so um Washington had to beat him twice mm -hmm. and Washington spent a lot of ammunition trying having to beat Hampshire twice I mean Jefferson uh owes Hampshire a thank you because they made it very tough to be eliminated and made Washington burn a lot of their arsenal uh and then Jefferson took care of business in that first game so you know congratulations to them congratulations to Riley Morgan congratulations to Jefferson that even though they didn't have to I mean they saved a ton of mileage on the arms of the players that they had um, in this regional because Caleb Fletcher went the distance in the first game. And then, like we just said, Morgan in the second game was um, was fantastic. He, he goes seven, one hits him, like we said, doesn't walk anybody, which is awesome, and strikes out six. So Jefferson then also, having had to play the fewest games out of anybody that's going to be advancing to a regional, gets to wait even longer because that other region, I'm sorry, section is going to be decided either tonight or tomorrow when Hedgesville beat Martinsburg on uh, Friday, that set up them to take on Musselman in the sectional final. 
The first game was supposed to be uh, yesterday. I'm sorry, on Saturday it got rained out. So they're playing it tonight. If Musselman wins, they take the section. If Hedgesville wins, they force a winner-take-all uh, next game, which would be played on Tuesday. So Jefferson's just kind of waiting there with everybody right. fresh and ready to go. Um, so they're in a pretty good spot to get down to Charleston now too. But Martinsburg, I'm sorry, Musselman and Hedgesville, it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, those guys, uh, they've played each other a lot. So say, let's play hypotheticals here, Jefferson makes it down to Charleston. What does their path once they get out of this part of the state look like? I mean, who's who's the buzzsaw coming out of the rest of the state of West Virginia? That's a tough question because you know Cavill Midland and Hurricane are strong mm-hmm. again. We don't know what Region 1 is going to look like. Morgantown is probably the best team, but Bridgeport's so hard to beat. And then uh, the, you guys, uh, uh, the the tight end for university that diced up Spring Mills, you remember Braham, oh, uh, yeah, the yeah, last yeah. week of the season? Just decided, and he's been playing baseball for a while. Just decided to turn it up a little bit. He's leading the state in batting average. He's hitting over five fifty. There you go. And he's wow. got like eleven home runs. Sounds like Parker's brother. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just so, and he's already coming to WVU to play football, but they're thinking about giving him a chance to be a two sport athlete. So he could single handedly will the Hawks. They play Bridgeport in a winner take all sectional Ooh, final today. That'd be a fun one. I know. So that that I don't know about that section. It really comes down to Jefferson's got to win the first game. Because when they can really flex their muscles is when they get to the championship game and they've got more pitching than anybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Like Everybody's got an ace. Everybody's going to throw their number one guy. If Jefferson can get out of the semis, which they didn't do last year, I mean, they have more pitching depth than anybody in the state. So that's what it comes down to. They'll, th- they'll throw Fletcher game one, I would assume, and I would put him up against just about anybody. But when you get down there in Charleston, you know, there's those semifinal games are one nothing, 2-1 games, and those can go really any way. Uh, but I like Jefferson's chances if they get out of this, uh, the region. So you can text us, 304-263-4321. Got a text here saying, you got to admit, the Jefferson, Washington, and Hampshire uh, section has got to be the easiest section in the entire state. When when have the Trojans been any good at anything, <laughs> the were. texter says, and Washington is is once in a blue moon. So it just has seemed like Washington has had, or Jefferson has had, the hold over this section for you know the last, goodness, 40 years or whatnot. But I think that's more of a testament to just the program at Jefferson other than the fact that these other teams aren't that good yeah I mean there's a bit there's a difference in talent between Jefferson and the other two teams but I don't know if that's necessarily fair to Hampshire because that first game of that section with everybody healthy everybody throwing whoever they want yes they lost but they lost that game two to one that Wolford kit was unbelievable yeah and and then when they had to go back and play Hampshire again Washington they also lost by a run Hampshire was up seven nothing in that game and Washington had to score eight unanswered runs. So, yeah, I mean, Jefferson's the best team in that section. I, you can make the argument, and John Lowry has been honest about saying, I'm glad I only have to play one Berkeley County team every mm-hmm. year. I don't mm-hmm. have to go through the ringer. But I, I don't know. I think that does a little bit of it. I mean, Colin Reed was hurt all season. They got to see him pitch against Jefferson. I mean, that's a tough arm to go up against. And Hampshire was tough for Washington. But I understand the sentiment in that it's not just three teams. So if Jefferson did what they did and won two, that, that path is easier than anything that the Berkeley County schools can do. Uh, and then layered in the fact that those teams are just, they're deeper. So, I mean, Hampshire would finish last place in the Berkeley County second. Washington wouldn't though. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see between them and Martinsburg, in my opinion, who would be the third place team. So I think it's a little bit of a disservice to the section, but Jefferson per usual, they played their cards, right. They use their arms, right. And they're in a very good situation pitching wise, just everything wise right. to get down to Charleston again. And I think this reopens the conversation of how maybe it should be maybe a reshuffling or maybe a 
reimagining. Don't tell Jefferson that. Yeah, uh, well, of like an overall is, bracket. Because since it's mm. seven teams, what would be the best way to do mm-hmm. it? You mean this whole seven team like, bracket? The, like you take the whole, you see all of the Berkeley County and all of the Jefferson County. Let's just say Jefferson's the top team. Jefferson gets a first round bye. Then you match up two versus seven, three and six, four and five. Those teams have a series, and then Jefferson gets the bye, plays in the next round. You seed everybody, so that way y- you have the chance of the best two overall teams. I think that helps in softball, too, because in our, being realistic here, in softball, the region final should be Washington and Jefferson. Those are the two best teams, in my personal opinion, in the whole Eastern Panhandle right now. But Washington can't play in a regional final because they got to go through Jefferson in softball every year. Why don't we go into this format? You have seven teams. Top team gets a first round by you do a whole bracket instead of this sectional to regional. Yeah, I mean I don't see a problem with that. Uh, it does it, may, it gives a little bit more of a fair shake for everybody else. But what do you say to the people that are like, well now we got the different, what well, you want to call it, recruiting the transfer policies and things. Just get better, get your program better. <laughs> well, what do you say to that. Well, uh, the best case I can say for that yeah. is just. It just happens in high school sometimes, especially mm-hmm. with this one-time transfer rule. It's going to come into play. It's just one of those things. And good coaches are going to be able to keep their talent. That's the best way I can you, I can ease worries about people saying, well, why wouldn't a kid from Hampshire, if that's really good, just go transfer to Jefferson? Or why wouldn't – be a heck of a commute, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what Hampshire – that's their upper hand is that it sucks getting yeah, out to Hampshire. Be, mm-hmm. Getting out to Romney. I mean, it's a pretty drive. It's a gorgeous town. And their facility is really nice, too. Football will, field, Discovery Turf, but it's a hike to get out. There. I mean, they're the real victims in all of this. Because yeah. they yeah. can't go, and as far as the AAA school, they can't go play in Morgantown section. Because mm-hmm. that would be worse. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's odd that they're out of the Berkeley. I mean, Wish people don't want to. Allegheny County, Maryland school yeah, exactly. would be easier. Yeah. Um, people don't want to mess up the good thing that the Berkeley County schools have. Those four teams, it's competitive. It's giving us the, the, the postseason baseball that we've seen. So instead, they lump them in with the Jefferson County schools, which means it's an even further drive, and you have to play the best team in the state every year. Right. So you kind of have to feel bad for Hampshire. But Hampshire's not feeling bad for themselves. Again, they gave Washington two really good games uh, with Wolford pitching in the second game and the like. So, you know, they're not they're not crying about it. They're, they're a proud, passionate fan base over there. But, I mean, if it – because I don't know if a 17 bracket, man, that is clunky. The thing that you would go to next, though, would be a 16 bracket – and then one team wouldn't qualify for the playoffs every oh, year, which would yeah. be Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that would hurt. That, that would, would be brutal. Mm-hmm. And that's not that goes against what West Virginia high school playoffs right. are. Every, except for football, everybody makes it in every sport. Right. And everybody has a chance to get to it in every sport. <sighs> well, speaking of these playoffs, softball regionals, they get started tomorrow. Give us a little, a, a little preview on what to expect out of those games. Well, this is a big deal. And we've got a, an article coming up for the website here pretty soon as well, a preview in this between Jefferson and Hedgesville. Jefferson dominated the two regular season matchups, but Hedgesville, they're playing really good softball right now. They've got a really good freshman in Gracie Brown who's at six home runs and is starting to find her own on the mound along with Kelsey Van Dyne, who misses some bats, is a very clutch hitter. On the other side of things, you've got last year's defending state champs in Jefferson and Desiree Waters, who's their head coach. Common theme here, huh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So the smart money is on Jefferson. But Hedgesville, they're a tough team to beat, especially since it's home, home, home. So they get to play at least one game at their place. I think that's crucial because it's a, it's daunting. You got the cars out there beeping their horns yeah. at Hedgesville. And uh, the best part about all this is you can hear all two or three games right here on WEPM and WCST. Uh, from what I understand, they're all 7 o'clock first pitches. I'll confirm that before tomorrow's show. 
Um, but uh, weather permitting, you'll be able to catch all of those regional games for baseball. And then the next week, I'm sorry, this week with softball and the next week with baseball right here on the Panhandle News Network. I think we're supposed to have some pretty good weather this week. I hope so. Let me see. Today's going to be nice with a high of 75. Tomorrow, rain. Go uh, figure. So it uh, yeah. looks like we got rain tomorrow. And Wednesday at this point, but uh, <laughs> oh, oh no, I'm lying to you. Just to, just Tuesday, then the the 70 degrees, gorgeous Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So. We don't have, you know, we don't really have a rain contingency. We didn't have to deal with that this year. That's true. Like I don't know what I'm going to do. Was there? There wasn't. Never. I guess I mean, the Shepherd game was the closest thing to yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And we yeah. were in the press box. Yeah. So <laughs> well, nice. Well, there you go. Tuesday's your only threat, and then uh, gorgeous today, Wednesday. Thursday and Friday, but we'll have those games right here on WPM and WCST. We'll step aside for a minute. We'll come back. We'll talk a little uh, Marshall softball for a minute. And then also Brenton Doyle out here uh, doing big things up in the major leagues. We'll step aside and come back with more on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Dice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. So we talked about them from time to time this year, but the Marshall softball team had an unbelievable regular season, losing only, what, nine games going into their conference tournament. And then they get into the conference tournament. Well, the big question was, why haven't they been ranked? They haven't been in the national rankings. You know, they still had to win their conference tournament to make it in to the NCAA tournament, even with a record as great as theirs. Well, they end up losing in their conference final by one run to Louisiana, the number one seed, Louisiana, and the 20, what did I say, 25 and 10? Yeah. The 45 and 10 uh, Thundering Herd women's softball team or softball team ends up missing out on the NCAA tournament. What is happening in softball right now? I mean, it's unfair. You know, this is a, they did everything they tried, they could do to try to earn an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament to avoid this exact scenario. They beat a ranked team in Virginia Tech, and Alabama, who's one of the best perennial softball powerhouses, came uh, to Huntington. And yes, Alabama won, but it was a three-to-one game. Like they're trying to bolster their non-conference specifically to avoid this, and they still couldn't avoid it. I, I think it's unbelievably unfair. This team went 17-5 and five in conference play. You're never going to go undefeated in conference play. Mm. The question becomes, at what point is what they're doing enough? Outside of winning a conference championship, which it's a shame that they lost that game one to nothing, what could Marshall have done to have a different result by still losing in their conference championship game? Win 50 games? 50 and right. 5? I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, and so I think we join everybody in the state, even those that don't like Marshall athletics very much, and say that, it's an absolute screw job. It's not fair that they weren't able to get into the NCAA tournament on the backs of one of their best seasons in program history. I mean, yeah, they got one hit, but like you said, man, they won so many games this year and they beat good teams. It's not like they were sitting there playing, you know, junior college teams all year. They went down south and played these no name schools and, you know, pumped up their record to get to this point. I mean, they had tough games all season long and their conference was tough too. I mean, a one nothing loss in their conference final. Should not keep them out, I think, in the NCAA tournament. But we do have a text here, uh, 304-263-4321, saying they, uh, that's because, meaning they missed out of the NCAA tournament, that's because they're Marshall and they always choke, <laughs> which is a little unfair in this situation, I think. But, um, you know, I don't know. What do you think, Park? 
Well, it I think it's just a case of not many at-large bids coming from this year's softball tournament. You look at the teams in the field, Oklahoma's the top seed this year. Florida State comes in as the three, the two seed, if I can find them all the way down here. It's going to be UCLA again, another one of those powerhouses, Tennessee, another powerhouse. And it seemed like there were a lot of just top spot. We mentioned Virginia Tech, that Marshall beat Virginia Tech, gets in at an at-large bid. And it's just one of those things where you probably just had to win. And this, again, I think it just is being in the Sun Belt hurts Marshall. Yes, I know the Sun Belt's one of the better mid-major. It was a football move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a football move yep. at the end of the day. But not being in like a Big 12 or an SEC, I think, is what hurt. Because if Marshall puts up those numbers in the Big 12 or the ACC, they're in the tournament. There's no question about it. It's just people are going to look at, okay, your strength schedule, you played the Sun Belt, you played these teams. How are you going to do well in the tournament? And you see the rest of the teams, you can make the argument, oh, why is Texas State in? Oh, why is Grand Canyon in? Or Southern Illinois or Prairie View or Omaha and not Marshall? Well, it, it's just the cause of the terms. They won their conference tournament. It's like it's like the NCAA basketball tournament. We talked at lengths or we talked about like Toledo was really good last year. Toledo, I think, had like only four or three losses in the entire season. They lose their conference tournament final. They don't make the NCAA tournament. It's yeah. just it's just the field. The field is too good, and if you're in a lower conference like Marshall is in the Sun Belt, you're kind of forced to win your conference tournament to get into the, to get into the big dance, and they're just unable to do it there. Well, brutal nonetheless. I mean, a great season for the uh, Thundering Herd softball team, and unfortunately comes up just short in the region or in the not the region in the conference championship which is uh, pretty demoralizing if you ask me but I was surprised to hear that this morning because uh, like I was telling you this morning like your dad did not sound very happy reporting that uh, in the morning news he had some pretty funny words about that one but we uh, before we get to this bottom of break do want to talk about Brenton Doyle for a second because he finally makes his debut up in Colorado or well he's been up in Colorado but at uh, what's their park called Coors Field thank you my goodness up at Coors Field yeah, I know. You'd think I'd remember it. But he gets his first home run at home. Brent Doyle. And Brent Doyle hammers this. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. Second career home run for Doyle. First at Coors Field. And he hammered that thing. I don't think it got more than 20 feet off the ground. And gets his first home run at Coors Field, like I said, second as a Rocky. Let me ask Luke, is he going to hit 30 home runs this year? What's going to happen? <laughs> Especially with how easily he hit that ball out of course field. And that's what we were talking about. Of course, we knew he had the power. Of course, he showed a lot of power here at Shepard and getting up to the bigs as quick as he did. And he's already got that home run. Where was it at? So, was it in Cleveland? It was in Cleveland, right? I think it was in Cleveland where he got his first one. <laughs> we were waiting for him to get to the launching pad of course field. He gets there, hits one out easy. So, uh, it looks like sky's the limit for Brenton Doyle. Well, that's the thing. He needed that because he's only hitting 200 right now. He's a perfect six for six in stolen bases. He's playing a great center field. And they're going to give him a little bit of time, I think. And the last thing you want to do is give them a reason to send him down because I'd like to see his staying power and have more at-bats in that field. So, this is the kind of hit that keeps him on the roster, keeps him at course field, keeps him a part of this long-term plans, as opposed to sending him back down to AAA. So I think that's what this was more than anything. Um, he needs to continue to hit more consistently because his batted ball profile and what he does as a player especially, he's an elite center fielder, he's a well above average base runner, uh, and he can hit the all fields. And that's important, especially when you're playing at a place where balls fly out of that consistently. Um, so hopefully, again, this is something he, he can use to continue to jumpstart his uh, – Already promising career because, like you said, he, he hit the cover off the ball. 
And cool thing was, he hits his first home 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 run on his birthday too. Oh yeah, it was his birthday when Shout he did out. that. So and uh, you know we should open the show with this on Mother's Day, no less. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. That's Belated. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Shout out to the moms. Yeah, shout out to the moms out there. But we will get to this bottom of the hour break. When we come back, uh, there's some, uh, well, a lot of eyes on this Berkeley County uh, School Board <laughs> meeting tonight. So we'll talk about that a little bit uh, and maybe come to a conclusion on what this school board meeting is all about. So that would be after the break. You can always text us, 304-263-4321. If you think you know uh, what the big sports-related news is coming out of the uh, Berkeley County Board of Ed meeting tonight at Texas 304-263-4321. We'll be back with more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us 304-263-4321. You can always tweet us at EP Sports Network. If you head over to our Twitter page at EP Sports Network, you can see a series of tweets about, uh, well, coaching changes around our sports area. And one of the tweets shows that there's an appointment for the head varsity football coach at Martinsburg. That should be happening tonight at the Berkeley County Board of Ed meeting. So uh, what are we thinking? Because it doesn't take uh, too much of a detective to look around and then see that, well, Dave Walker has resigned from his head coaching job at Concord right around the same time. I heard somebody said they saw him at Buffalo Wild Wings or something the other day. What do you guys think? Is that the the logical connection? Or do you think maybe somebody else coming up and through? Well, and certainly Rick Kozlowski seems to think so. There's an article about it in the Martinsburg Journal today that I encourage everybody to read. You know, we won't say anything definitive until it's definitively definitive. Mm-hmm. But you can check our Twitter page because we'll, we'll jump on it as soon as we can. Um, but, you know, it was interesting that Britt Sherman's resignation is something we reported on as well. And we were able to find it through, you know, agendas and things like that for the Berkeley County Board of Education because he was named. What's interesting this time is we have the agenda, but we don't have anybody's names. And it's not just for this paid football coach position. Uh, we're also going to find out who the new Muslim girls soccer coach is tonight uh, and, and other coaching hires like that and some other resignations and teaching and things like that. But nobody's name is on this list, which is something you don't see very often when it comes to Board of Ed. So what we know is the Martinsburg head football coach is going to be appointed tonight at the Board of Ed meeting. We don't know for sure if we're going to get that person's mm-hmm. name, but... As uh, the the uh, the tea leaves have started to fall and right. people have been reading the, sh- the seashells, I, th- I think that everybody has a pretty good understanding as to what's going to happen. Well, let's play hypotheticals here, right? And, of course, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Got a texter saying, rumor has it, Dave Walker <laughs> may be returning as Bulldogs head, po- head coach. Uh, football coach, that would be pretty big news. And I agree, that would be huge news. I mean, Dave Walker's the reason Martinsburg football is Martinsburg football. And then he goes out to Concord, has successful uh, season there, has a successful start to his tenure. But then all of a sudden, you know, like we talked about last week, sometimes, you know, going up the ranks isn't necessarily the comfortable, the most comfortable fit. And you want to get back to where you're most comfortable. And it's, he certainly was comfortable here in Martinsburg. Maybe he's homesick, too. I mean, that's a, that's a thing. I mean, he was in that East Hardy area. That B-dubs is pretty good, man. It's not bad. I mean, yeah, as far I, as B-dubs go, there's, there's, there's no, the no B-dubs in Athens and Princeton. I'll say I'll say that right now from personal experience. But You guys got a McDonald's and a CVS like that's Glenville? That's all you need, man. We, Tasty well, in, in the city of Athens itself, so the closest, like, 
I guess spot outside of like where Concord's at is Princeton, which is about ten to fifteen minutes down the road. In Flatwoods, what's Flatwoods? Isn't that something cool? Flatwoods is like just south of Glenville State. Mark just tell me that's so far away. Yeah, yeah it's not close. Point. No, but uh, <laughs> no. Flatwoods is not cool. No, no offense to our listeners from Flatwoods. I always, uh, There's not a lot going Flatwoods. on in Flatwoods. Yeah, yeah no. but but in Athens itself, I'm a Panhandle, Maine. Really, the only things that are there is there's a CVS. There you go. There's a Dollar General. All right. And there's uh there's a Sunoco gas station called the Deli. I mean, honestly, do you need anything more? Yeah, I mean that's it right there. Oh and, man, and that's you got the West Virginia Triple Crown. And then, and then you hey, got Harry, hang on. Oh, come. And, and then you got the Gino's pizza. pizza. Yeah, the Gino's pizza. <laughs> and then you got uh, Moe's. Moe's is like a little little shack. You got Moe's? My, my family not, loves Moe's. Not that Moe's. Oh, not that, not that Moe's. Not welcome to Moe's. Not welcome to Moe's. Not the fake Chipotle with the better queso. Dude, not that Moe's. I'm I, I'm not a big fan of those restaurants, but my my family loves Moe's. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. There's you, a Moe's. What are we talking? What were we talking about? But there was okay. no B, there was no B dubs in Athens. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's right. not yet. Yes. Let's franchise not, one. Guys. Not yet. But right. I mean, it it's starting to look like if you were the betting favorites, we would be looking at probably minus a thousand right now. That Dave Walker's probably gonna be the new head coach. Number two, Neil Brown. It, I was gonna say, who, well, who else? I mean, who else would be that's on the also list? a thing too. I mean, who who else could possibly be taking this job? The th- things are lining up perfectly. Coach Walker resigns at Concord. This job opens up and. I think it just makes too much sense right now for him to come back. It seems like that's the way it's aligning right now, and it's exciting to see him potentially back in the panhandle doing what he's been, well, one of the greatest, well, of all time at this point in high school football. Yeah. We mentioned it. The uh, the field is named after Coach Walker. It, it, the stadium is named after him, and it's just going to be interesting to, and cool to see how he's going to attack this new sense of high school football. He leaves it at the tail end of 2019, Stuff's changed now. You got this one-time transfer rule. You've got different things coming into play. How is he going to respond to the changes to West Virginia high school football after spending a few years in the college ranks? Is that going to help? Is that is there going to be a little bit of a rust, a little bit of layoff? How that's going to work out? That's what I'm interested to see. But it's looking pretty. It's the deal is pretty much all but done. Is what it's looking like right now. Well, Luke, if you could put your whole state of West Virginia hat on if with Dave Walker say he comes back he's named his head coach for Martinsburg yet again what kind of shockwaves does that send does that send shockwaves does that name still hit heavy like it did a couple years ago across the state to all these other coaches that think oh maybe Martinsburg I mean not that they've ever gone anywhere but maybe they're back you know I think so because you look at the the weapons that Martinsburg would be returning a top quarterback prospect in the state top wide receiver and probably the best offensive and defensive lineman we've seen in the state in a, in a while um, yeah, I think so. And especially since you look at the two teams that were in the Super 6 last year for AAA. Huntington, Gavin Lockhouse gone. He's going to college. And Parkersburg South, Robert Shockey, he transferred. He's down in the Charleston area now. So there's a vacuum of power, and who better to fill that vacuum than uh, one of the best coaches to yeah. ever do it in the state with a very good collection of talent. So I, I think that that would put the, the rest of the state on notice. I mean... Martinsburg's were they were going to be a favorite to win a championship even if I was the head coach you know what I mean and let alone Britt Sherman who had done fantastic work with that program be interesting to see what his role in the future of this program is going to be uh, and then if Dave Walker comes back or who knows you know maybe at the very last second uh, the undertaker's going to run into this board of ed meeting and cash in a case to be the head coach of Martinsburg right. football that's the best wrestling analogy I know um, <laughs> you know who knows at the, at the 11th hour it could be somebody else so uh, we'll be reporting on it but if it's Dave Walker um, even if, if it's still Brett Sherman, regardless, Martinsburg's going to be top dog um, for, for the foreseeable future. Just all of a sudden you hear this at the start of the, uh, start of the meeting. Hang on. 
Oh, Austin coming in. <laughs> Stone Cold comes walking here down. Come, here, here, comes, uh, here comes Neil Brown with the Money in the Bank contract. <laughs> Who's the, guy that, Bob Huggins. who's the guy that does all the matchups just for that? You get to go one-on-one with the... Oh, the, Teddy Long? Yeah, there you yeah. go. Just for that, you get to be the new head football coach at Martinsburg High School. <laughs> holla, found a holla, holla, player. I think this is what I was really looking for. What, you look for the gong? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I was trying to find the good one where the glass, the glass shatters like... Psh, well, if, you, if you're looking for a good one, oh, well. the, the uh, one where uh, he comes out when The Rock and uh, Mick Foley are fighting for the world championship in 99 is a good one. Look for that. There you go. You can That'd find be a that good one. topic for later on in the summer. Wrestling interest? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Goldberg had a good one, man. <laughs> Goldberg was my favorite. I mean, the walkouts was pretty... Was pretty epic. He was stud. But Texas 304-263-4321. What time's that meeting tonight? Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. So uh, keep an eye on uh, our Twitter page at EP Sports Network around seven when uh, the meeting gets going, and we'll have uh, that news as soon as it's released on who potentially can end up being named as not uh, well as a couple other coaches being named, like you said, across the uh, area, across the county, uh, but more specifically, the new Martinsburg football head coach. And what are your thoughts? Text us 304-263-4321. And while we got a few minutes here, Parker, we got to get to our last break. I'll let you go ahead and uh, talk about your Celtics. These irresponsible takes. Yeah, these crazy tweets. I mean, I, I hope your I hope your tweets get picked up. I hope they go viral. I really hope they go viral. <laughs> At so, freezing cold takes. Yeah, I, it, that's it. Maybe we'll just send it to freezing cold takes. But you had a pretty good uh, basketball weekend. A lot better than my basketball weekend. I did. Well, it was <laughs> it was a really good first half between the Celtics and the Sixers. I don't want to give Philadelphia their flowers. They played an absolute great series against Boston. It was a fun one. I thought once Philly took game five in Boston, I was thinking, okay, they're probably going to close this out in six because this was one of the better times Philadelphia has looked competitive in a while, I think. But Celtics steal game six, and then, well, Doc Rivers does what Doc Rivers does best. He he chokes a game seven. And Jason Tatum, that's an all-time great playoff performance he had last night. Most points in a game seven in NBA playoffs history. And – you guys have come at me for this, so this is what I said. I said, put some respect on Jason Tatum's name. He will be a top three Boston Celtic when it's all said and done. And I will pose the argument. The only people I think you could put in the conversation, if Jason Tatum, mind you, number one, stays healthy. Number two, stays in Boston for most of his career. I mean, the only people I think you could put in the conversation better than him is going to be Bill Russell and Larry Bird. That's it? Yes. So, Just those two? Yes. <laughs> yes. So um let me let me pose it to you. Paul this Pierce. Way. He is the only He's better than Paul Pierce? Yes. Let me well let me put it to you this way. Bob Cousy? Yes. Da- hold on, hold on. Hold on. Dave Cowens and Bob Cousy both won an MVP. Jason Tatum has not yet finished top three in MVP voting. Which is actually ridiculous. Hey, Robert Parrish, four NBA titles, yeah. nine time well, NBA All Star. Robert Parrish, Sam Jones, and John Havlicek both are going to win more championships. Well, that was also in the '60s. So it's so much harder to win a championship now. Who cares? So that's when Jerry West played, baby. I mean, what are you talking? Jerry West? Is that illegitimate? There were less teams in the NBA at that time too. So who's better, Jordan or Michael, or Michael or uh, LeBron? Jordan or Michael? Jordan Jordan or Michael? Who's better? Don't Uh, change. Don't make fun of me. My my personal opinion, it's gonna get and it's gonna get a lot of heat. LeBron James. So, but you're saying that you're definitively right now, Mm -mm. Jason Tatum is going to be better than two MVPs, 
and, and Bob Cousy and Dave Cowens, the redhead, and Bob Cousy, who reinvented the point guard position. Yeah. John Havlicek, who's probably the greatest hustle player in the history. The chief, Robert Paris, like you just alluded to. Sam Jones won ten, ten titles, championships. Ten. Okay. Jinx. And... <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> it was so much easier to win a championship then. And Paul Pierce. How right. is Paul it Pierce easier to win a championship than you think? Because there are less teams in the league. The talent level's less. And they had the greatest coach. Well, the, uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Red Arbach. The argument against that is there are fewer teams, which meant you had super teams. I mean, you had Will right. Chamberlain winning around. You had Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. Jerry one, West and yeah. Elgin Baylor, would they make it to the finals eight, nine times before Jerry West won one? Yeah. And you're saying it's easy? It is. Get out of here. It, it was easier back then to win a championship. The talent level in the NBA is so much higher but than it, it was then. And to take it a step further, not only did you say that irresponsible piece of journalism, <laughs> then you took it a step even further and said that you would take him over Luka Doncic right now. That's correct. That was crazy. that's yes. foolish. That was that was you just okay. A little let, let's let's look at things here. I'm gonna let that slide. Luka. Besides shoot the ball, name one thing that Jason Tatum does better. Rebound. I disagree. Luka Doncic's average. He's eight averaged over ten boards in the playoffs. Luka Doncic's averaged over eight rebounds this season. Jason Tatum in the regular season did not. And and Luka Doncic is one of the best pure playmakers in the NBA right I'm now. I'm not denying that he is one of the best playmakers, but he cannot do anything in the Jason playoffs. Jason Tatum has been in the NBA for six seasons. Two of those seasons, Jalen Brown's been a better player. A season and a half, Kyrie Irving has been a better player. And for an entire season, Kemba Walker was a better player. Jason Tatum has only been the best player on his own team for about a year and a half. Uh, here, here, I got their stats compared, Luka and Tatum. All right, I got their comparison sheets. So points per game, Luka, 27.6. Jason, this is season stats. Is it just this season? Yes. Because to be fair, I will say this. I mean, Jason Tatum had his first, oh, Tiny Archibald. Tiny Archibald's a better Celtic no. than Jason Tatum. Oh, because hold Tatum, on. Hey, hey, hey. Hold on. Because Jason Tatum had his first 30-point season this year. Tiny Archibald led the NBA in scoring with 32 points, while at the same time leading the league in assists and is the only player in NBA history to do that. Jason Tatum will never have a season All right, so that here's good. total stats. So I'll give you some of this here, Park. Total stats. Tatum's got Luka. Total points, 9,865 to 9,001, right? 9,100. <laughs> sorry, 9,100. Total rebounds. Tatum's got him 3,069 uh, one year longer. Yeah. Tatum's, or, uh, Tatum's been in there one year longer. Uh, steal, he's, so season total career stats, he's got him beat by a short margin. But you also got to remember that Doncic's been in the league one year less. They have the same amount of all-star games. Uh, Tatum has played in six playoffs. He's or played in six playoffs. Luke has only been in three. That's because so. his best teammate's been Dorian Finney-Smith. Exactly. You know? So that's the only thing <laughs> you, the really, that you can really Porzingis. look at. But I don't know, man. All right. In the illustrious history of the Boston Celtics, arguably the greatest basketball franchise in NBA history, guess who is the top points per game score per season in Boston history? It is Jason Tatum. 30.1 points per game. Because yeah, Larry this Bird season. is one of the best passing perimeter yeah, players. What SB Nation page you get that? Stat? <laughs> <laughs> it was on the broadcast. <laughs> so he, he, his, this season for Jason Tatum. Come on, Texters, help us out here. Yeah. Was better than Larry Bird in 88, Havlicek in 71, Bird You're in 85. You're just talking about points per game here, right? You're not talking about the fact that John Havlicek was one of the best defenders of his era, or he Larry was. Bird was one of and the best facilitators calling, of all time. And you're not calling Jason Tatum right. a good defender. Here, we got, I'm not calling him better than John Havlicek. We got one minute till we get the break. So we got. I'll give you two minutes. You got two minutes till we get the break, all right? <laughs> Let's get your we'll, – we'll, we'll give you the floor here. We won't jump in. Just go ahead and get your Celtics – Talk out. Go ahead. Well, I, now that I, we got y'all flustered, sorry, buddy. I just don't understand why you all don't like. No one thinks Jason Tatum is a top 
five to eight player in the NBA, and I do not understand why. He is such a good player. He scores, he rebounds, he's a good defender, and he just is not putting that same conversation with guys like Luka Doncic. And some people are thinking like Devin Booker's better than this guy. De- he's better than Devin Booker. Devin Booker's a better scorer. I can agree to that, but he's not a better overall player than Jason Tatum. He's what twenty four years old, and look at how much playoff experience he has. He took control. People were talking online. Oh, Jason Tatum isn't clutch. Jason Tatum can't do this. He can't be a number one on a team. He goes for 50-plus, the best Game 7 performance in NBA playoffs history, and people are still going to poke and just tear down Jason Tatum. Put some respect on my guy's name. He is arguably a top six to eight player in the NBA right now. And people just do not want to. Last night you said five. That's what I disagree. You could argue top five. I've my my issue with it is not that Jason Tatum is not a top ten player because he absolutely is. It's that Celtic fans took that game, which is an important performance, Mm -hmm. and they want to put him on the Mount Rushmore of like you said, one of the greatest organizations in sports. And in an NBA that has Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, still at the end of his career, but still great, Kevin Durant, LeBron James and say that Jason Tatum, because of one game, is better than He's a top 10. If you want me to say that Jason Tatum's a top 10 player, I love Jason Tatum. He's a St. Louis kid. He went to Chaminade. He was high school classmates with Matthew Kachuk. You know, I, I, I love Jason Tatum. But no, he's not a top five player yet, and he's not a top three Celtic yet. I think he's got a ways to go before he's both of those things. So it, what will it take for you all to be in the consent? I An th- MVP, a championship, and five more years of this level of efficiency. Which I think are all very possible. Yeah. Well, then we can have that conversation. Then. All very possible. I think Jason Tatum is an MVP level caliber player. He yeah. really- he was fourth in sure. MVP voting last year. The reason, the reason why I think a lot of people are hesitant to give Jason Tatum an MVP is the presence of Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown and... <sighs> J- Jalen Brown's trash. <laughs> I love Jalen Brown. Okay. If if Boston was going to get knocked out of this series, I'm sorry, I know we need to go to break. If Boston were to get eliminated, the Wizards would have traded Bradley Beal for Jason or Jalen Brown, and he would be a Wizard next year, and, and I would love that. And Washington would win that trade 100%. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown is one of the most, disre- again, one of the most disrespected and underrated players in the NBA, especially what he's had. He rallied back. Did you all see that part of the game where the Yang like kind of grabbed Jalen Brown on the bench? I'm done watching NBA basketball. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. This is probably a really sensitive time for you talking playoff basketball. I apologize. I was really hoping for a Celtics Knicks Eastern Conference Finals because this would have been a toxic show for a whole week. This. I've never been more. I think the only time I was more shocked watching a sporting event was when U.S. Men's National Team lost it. Well, they almost blew it when the guy, um, the Vincent guy, that, mm-hmm. that flagrant, I thought they were going to win the, the Knicks, and then Brunson, that pass made no sense. Dude, they should have taken a timeout they where they cross, or right when they crossed half court. Uh, we can text us, 304-263-4321. Another quick note here as I was uh, scrolling through Facebook, Vicky Bullitt, of course we all know and love Vicky Bullitt, the Martinsburg native, the Maryland Terrapin, U.S. basketball player, gold medalist, you know how it goes. Uh, she's coming back to be the uh, the instructor for the Martinsburg, Berkshire Parks and Rec girls basketball camps awesome. this year. So That's they awesome. have three sessions, June 19th, 20, July 24th. And August 7th, uh, if you head over to the Martinsburg, Berkeley County Parks and Recreation Facebook page, you can find all that information there. Prices, times, locations, and things, because they uh, they travel around to the different athletic centers around. But that would be really cool. So if I always – basketball – summer basketball camps were my favorite times each year, favorite things to go do. And having Vicki Bullitt as your instructor would be pretty darn cool. So head over to the Martinsburg, Berkeley County Parks and Recreation Facebook page for that. We'll step aside one final time. We'll come back in Parker's Picks and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. 
It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Winter, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. So for Friday's picks last week, we went, we went one for three. The Blue Jays played a really solid game against the Braves. I picked the Braves to win against them, but the Blue Jays ended up winning that one 3-0. The Lakers ended up closing out against the Warriors, which we had, and then the Knicks sadly were unable to top Miami. And I was, again, I was so hoping for a Knicks-Celtics Easter Conference Finals just because of the toxicity in this room for the entire week. It would have been disgusting and it would have been primetime radio you know what hurt looking this morning at my calendar and nba.com you can put your you can like put the schedules on your calendar you can put it through the thing it says here 8 p.m next heat dang sad tough scenes gotta take that off well uh we'll get into that conversation (laughs) later on but Parker's picks for today. Today's lock of the day. I'm going with under six and a half total goals tonight in the game seven game between the Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars. Seattle was able to force game seven last night. Going to be exciting hockey. Eight o'clock tonight. I'm going to go for the under on goals. It's game seven. Everything's going to be tight. Every goal is going to count so much more. Under six and a half total goals tonight in the Kraken and Stars matchup. I'm going under eight total runs. Orioles here on WPM and WCST today as they're playing the Los Angeles Angels. Otani's on the mound. You got Grayson Rodriguez. That game scheduled for 636. Under eight total runs in that matchup. I think the pitching's going to be big time for the, both these teams, and it's going to be hard to get some runs as the O's have been playing some pretty good defenses of late, too. And as well as the Padres, I got them topping the Royals tonight. I mean, the Royals are one of the bottom teams in baseball and probably the worst division in baseball right now in the AL Central. I got the Padres handling business. So lock of the day again, Kraken star, stars under six and a half goals, under eight total runs in Orioles and Angels tonight, and the Padres top the Royals. Well, I mean, do you guys want to talk about the Knicks? I mean, I don't necessarily care to. No, we don't. Have, I mean, if you don't want to, we <laughs> I mean, don't have to. to talk yeah. about. They yeah, had I mean, an opportunity a couple times to come back and close out that game. Yeah. We didn't, uh, and this is probably the last we see of the whole, the core will not be back. I don't know no, who's going to leave. No. It'll probably be Randall, no. but they're going to have to shake things up. So I think so, too. If they're going to trade somebody, is it Julius Randall or is it R.J. Barrett? I think R.J. Uh, probably ends up being both. Of course, the big tickets, uh, Randall. Think more upside is Barrett, um, but Randall, man, he's so frustrating to watch, dude. Because like he'll just show flashes of. I mean, he could be, he could be a top three Celtic, right? And he th- shows flashes every once in a while. If you're <laughs> use your, uh, your, if it were me, I'm measuring stick. I'm trying to trade Randall and somebody else for Christian Wood, and I, they you, need a shooter, man. That's they need Christian a shooter. Wood. They need go a shooter. out and get a big man that can stretch the floor like Christian Wood, and I think that they're a much better team next. You know they had Miles Turner. You know yeah. they had somebody like that, some guy by the name of Kristaps Porzingis, who they drafted about a decade <laughs> hey, ago. Hey, Kristaps says he wants to come back. Kristaps can can leave. Well, Chris, Kristaps is also a shell of his former self. Yeah, so it's, well, yeah. That would be on Nick's brand to uh, bring Kristaps <laughs> back, back once for, he's yeah, for a once cheap pop. But I don't know, man. I mean, it was a tough final sequence of that game. They should have called a timeout to set up a play. Uh, I mean, just give the – but honestly, you can't be too upset because the ball was in arguably the best player. It was in the – the ball was in the hands of the player it should have been at the end of the game and Jalen Brunson to make that final pass or that final decision. And uh, dribbled out of the baseline, spun around a few times, thought he was passing it to Randall Cutting as he had 16 guys around him, and it goes out of bounds, and that was the end of the game. But 
you know, you can't be too upset. It was great. It was a tough way for a great season to end. This yeah. was the most fun Knicks basketball season I've I've been a part of in my Since ten Bella. years. Yeah, it's been a while. It's about yeah. ten years of fans uh, as a fan. So, all things considered, not too bad. But so it goes. So it goes. But that just about does it for us today. Anything else, fellas? What we got a second? Uh, yeah, Chelsea women set the FA Cup attendance record for a women's sport. Seventy-seven thousand people at Wembley, and the WVU baseball team are two wins away from winning a Big Twelve regular season championship. Mention it during our show. Happy Blade Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Thank you for all that you do. Absolutely. And if you missed any show, listen back to it a little bit later on today. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.